All right, well, my name is Marcus, and like Pastor Lisa said, I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church. And we started a sermon series last week called Renaissance. And Pastor Lucas gave a great message kind of introducing what that means. And the word Renaissance is just a revival of or renewed interest in something. And so what we're hoping and intending in this series is to kind of go back to the classical practices of faith. Some of the things that maybe have been lost or maybe need to be rediscovered. And that it wouldn't actually just be for Sunday, but that that understanding of renaissance, that renewed interest in these classical practices of faith, would be for our Monday, would be for our Tuesday, and our Wednesday, and our Thursday, and our Friday, and our Saturday, so that today, on Sunday, we get to celebrate all the accumulation of those renewed practices of faith. And so, with renaissance, we're kind of looking back in history a little bit and seeing how it can move us forward into our future. And so I want to give you guys a quick history lesson this morning, and I promise it will be quick. Uh, So there is something called the Gutenberg Press. And it was a printing press that was created uh, just before the Renaissance actually occurred. And it was named after its inventor, and it had individual moving letters that would stamp. And so what that enabled was um, the mass printing of text in Europe. So at that time, there was only about 30,000 books published or written at that time that were in circulation. And if you think about that, that seems like a large number, but there are like millions and millions and millions of books now. And so it was actually a very small number because everything needed to be written out by hand. And so you can imagine as you even just like write a letter or like write a couple notes for school, that like that's pretty taxing on you, it's pretty exhausting. So to imagine writing an entire book by hand, little wonder why there was so little books in circulation. But the Gutenberg Press actually revolutionized that. And it was uh, kind of the beginning of the information age of the Renaissance was kind of standing on top of that Gutenberg Press. And further down the, the road, the Gutenberg Press allowed the Bible to actually be printed in common language during the Reformation. And what the Reformation was was a time in history uh, where uh, a couple people saw um, some of what uh, was happening in the church and saw that maybe there was a different way. And so um, Catholic and Protestant belief systems started to kind of come out of that. But prior to that, the, the word of God was actually mostly kept in Latin, which was not a common language read or understood or even spoken by people in Europe. And so the Gutenberg Press kind of pushed that forward so that the word of God could be held by common people in their common language, and be understood. Can you imagine that for a moment? That for, for years and years, for a lifetime prior, that you were never able to hold this cherished book, the book that defined your life, the book that if you were a believer, guided you daily, the book that transformed your life and brought salvation, you were never able to hold that book. And yet in that moment, these, these people of faith in Europe were able to hold this book and not just hold it, but read it in a language for themselves. I think that would be an incredibly, incredibly cherishing, exciting, and revolutionary moment for believers. And yet, over time, that privilege has maybe become a little bit um, commonplace in our lives. And isn't it easy when we have something become so part of our lives, so commonplace in our lives, that we begin to take it for granted? And then as we take it for granted, we maybe don't place as much value as we used to in it. 
And I wonder this morning if we've maybe sometimes done that with uh, our regular reading of Scripture and the Word of God. And so I don't think that we necessarily need to go back to that 15th century Renaissance. But I wonder if we do need to recapture the awe of Scripture that is tangible in our hands. And I wonder if we need kind of our own renaissance here and now. And if you're taking notes, in any renaissance of faith, the regular practice of scripture reading is central to hearing God's voice and to experiencing his transformation. In any renaissance of faith, the regular practice of reading scripture is central to hearing God's voice and to to experiencing his transformation. And so we're going to take a look at a story in scripture of a king who actually kind of had his own renaissance moment in the word of God. And so we're going to turn with, uh, so turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 23 and 23. And before I read, uh, we're going to quickly pray. So God, thank you so much that you have given your word as truth in our lives, that it's the anchor in which we live our lives, and that it's your voice speaking to us that echoes through time and to our point here and now. God, I pray that as I communicate your word this morning, that anything that is in my strength or my words would grow strangely quiet in our ears, and that simply your voice would be heard this morning as you reveal your word and your will for us. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and we thank you for what a privilege it is to be able to read your word this morning. We pray this all in your name. Amen. So I kind of want to set the scene of the culture of Israel during this king, and his name was King Josiah. Because I think it's really important to understand the rest of our story, both in scripture, but also for our story. So King Josiah kind of steps into his kingship at the age of eight. His father had just actually been assassinated, uh, and so he was the next in line. And so he jumped in at the young age of eight. And he jumped into a culture that had mixed Judaism, the Jewish faith, with pagan secular practices. The temple, the place of worship for God's people had fallen into disrepair and there had been altars and idols set up and added for Baal and for Asherah and other kind of like astrological gods. And those names may be unfamiliar, but they're kind of like typical uh, gods of the people that were around Israel uh, in their history. And they were considered to be gods that were against the one true God of Jesus. And so a culture that was supposed to be firstly influenced by Israel and Jewish belief had now kind of become this Frankenstein of pieces of many different religions around them trying to all work together and fit into one faith. And when this happens in the history of the people of God, some pretty shocking practices often occur. And some of those things in King Josiah's time were something, some things like temple prostitution, they were child sacrifice by fire, and the disobedience of Israel in this brings judgment to the nation. And all of this kind of paints a pretty bleak picture of what the like, life of Israel was at the time of King Josiah, but scripture says that King Josiah was actually considered one of the good kings of Israel, not because necessarily of the culture that was surrounding him, but because of his own uh, practices of faith that he kind of grew up knowing and decided to live in. And so all of these things kind of were added to the culture of Israel, but there was one thing that actually wasn't prevalent in the culture. And it was actually forgotten, and it was omitted in the lifestyle of Israel at that time. And that piece that was omitted was the word of God. And we see that God's word had fallen into complete irrelevancy 
and it lacked any value or importance in the everyday lives of Israel. It was so bad that the word of God had actually even been lost. It wasn't just like dusty on like a table in the temple. It had been like lost and then found in kind of like some dusty, unused, neglected corner of the temple as workers rebuilt it. And I think that there's a very clear parallel drawn here where scripture is present in everyday life, culture flourishes. And where scripture is neglected in everyday life, culture begins to deteriorate. And as I read this explanation of the Israelites' culture and the lack of the word being present, as I was reading this devotionally and also in preparing this message, I was just so overwhelmed at the reality that this kind of paints a picture of our culture now. And the similarities that I found in reading this story and in where we are now in our culture was pretty jarring. And to clarify, when I say it looks like our culture, I do mean kind of the secular culture. But here's the thing, church. I don't think this morning we necessarily get a pass on our value of scripture in our everyday lives. Because I can't say the current climate of Christianity is much different in our culture than this picture painted by scripture. And as I read through the story of King Josiah, it was as if scripture was kind of holding up a mirror to my face. And I think it's because we've maybe lost our interest and value in the regular practice of reading scripture, or else we see it as secondary to uh, other parts of our lives. And I think this has allowed other pieces of truth to kind of take a louder voice in our lives than that of scripture. And although that paints maybe a pretty bleak picture for us this morning, what I'm so hopeful for is that this isn't something new. This isn't something that we've never experienced before. And so if this is something that we haven't, that isn't new for us, and if scripture speaks to it, then I think that there's great hope this morning in seeing that there may be a different way for us today. And what we need is a renaissance of our own devotional lives. And to clarify, what I mean by devotional life is the regular practice of scripture reading and of prayer and of spending time with Jesus in his presence. And we need this in our cultural moment because in any renaissance of faith, like I said, the regular practice of reading scripture is God's primary way of speaking to his people and bringing transformation. And we kind of see that King Josiah had been given a little bit of a bad deal because there had been generations and generations of kings and forefathers that went before him who had also lost the value of scripture in their lives. And so he was kind of just doing what he was brought up and knew how to do. And I find it's kind of hard to fault him. And I'm here to say today, although this is maybe a similar reality of our culture, there is a discovery today that can change our lives. And that can reorient maybe the culture that we find ourselves in this morning. And I think that our discovery of scripture this morning will begin a process of hearing God's voice and experiencing his transformation. And so I don't want this to seem like it's the hammer coming down, but it's an invitation to join in this journey today. And so we're going to see how that happens in King Josiah's life and how it happens in ours as well. And so when we jump into the story of the word of God being discovered uh, anew and again in this story, it caused a really strong response in King Josiah. And so we're going to read it. It's on the screen. It's 2 Kings 22, verse 11. And it says, When the king, King Josiah, heard the words of the book of the law, 
he tore his clothes. And this picture might be like a little bit strange to us, like, is he like taking the sleeves off of his shirt? Like, did he have a hole in his sock? Like, what does that mean? But culturally, what the idea of tearing your clothes was, is that it was representative of grief and of repentance. And repentance is simply turning away from a particular habit or lifestyle or sin and turning back to Jesus and walking a different way. And so Josiah, King Josiah, tore his clothes. He was grieved and he was repentant because he saw the gap between how he was living his life and what scripture said was true and how we should live. And when we practice reading scripture, the Holy Spirit reveals to us also places in which we need to adjust. And it's not done to bring shame or to bring condemnation or to make us feel terrible about ourselves, but it's to bring us to a place of greater holiness and a place of more abundant life in Jesus. And this moment of repentance, of tearing his clothes, of hearing that book of the word being communicated brought a shift to what King Josiah valued. And he began to value scripture, not because it necessarily was giving him a positive response in that moment. We see in this story that actually what was told there was that Israel was going to experience the judgment of God. And so he began to value scripture, not because it was necessarily a positive response, but because he was led to believe that it was the ultimate source of truth and guidance for his life. And I think in our lives, there's a subtle but powerful shift that can occur. It can be very, very easy for all of us, myself included, to have our values try and like fit into scripture and like shove it into the, what the word says. Then instead to actually have scripture reveal what our values should be. And it's so subtle and yet it's so transformational in the way that we continue to live our lives going forward. And so we need to be aware justifying our values that we create ourselves with scripture instead of letting scripture reveal our values. Because if we do the opposite, if we let our values influence scripture, then we begin to become a higher authority of truth than the revealed word of God. But why? The question is why? Why do we have to strive for this life, letting scripture reveal our values, when it often leads to difficult change and what we can see is restriction in our lives. Isn't it just easier to not do this at all? And the answer actually is yes. It is far easier to not have our values be revealed by scripture. But what I'm here to say today is that it leaves us ultimately unsatisfied. And we see through King Josiah that there's life abundant by having our values be shaped by scripture. And we see this, the kingdom of Israel would experience that judgment, but what was revealed is that King Josiah and his repentance actually would be spared by that judgment that God had. And I think it's so interesting, the parallels, because I have friends and family who live their life full of incongruence and who are constantly grasping at different places to find truth in their life. And to find what is right in their life. And it breaks my heart. And what congruence means is simply the harmony between what is going on inside and what is projected outward. And I have friends and family who are constantly grasping and grasping at different places and different thought processes and different 
uh, understandings of what truth is, and they kind of begin to just float and find themselves lost in this life over and over and over. They hold on to a piece of truth, and then it's challenged, and it falls apart, and then they have to look for something else. And what these friends and family members are missing is that Scripture, daily reading of Scripture, is the key to bringing an inward congruency to our outward values. Because it points us towards someone who is unchanging and yet constantly relevant, who is uncompromisingly good and wise, who is full of love and grace and is the ultimate source of truth. And this person is Jesus, and the word is the anchor. But I want to remind you, in any renaissance of faith, the regular practices of scripture reading and prayer are central to hearing God's voice and also experiencing his transformation. And so what I mean by that is we must be anchored to scripture as we pursue Jesus. Because if we do one or the other, it can lead to some challenging places. If we only pursue scripture, it sometimes means that we can fall into a legalism or finding our salvation by what we do. And if we lead to only pursuing Jesus, sometimes we can forget that there is truth here and we begin to understand our own version of Jesus instead of what the truth reveals of Jesus. And so if we look back to the story of Josiah, we see that he didn't just experience a behavioral modification here. He experienced actually a transformation of his heart. And as we jump into the series of renaissance, as we continue to, to walk through this each week, our hope is not to just experience a shift in what we do, because I think that would be extremely short-sighted. Our actual hope is that we experience a shift in what we do as a result of the shift in who we are. And that is our hope for renaissance in this series. And to be clear, behavior modification isn't negative in and of itself. But it is limited if we don't pursue inner transformation as a starting point. And we accomplish this, this shift in the same way that King Josiah did, by repentance. And I would suggest that maybe repentance is another lost classical practice of our faith. And the Holy Spirit reveals places in which we need to repent, and it is typically through Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's living and active, and it pierces our hearts. And I pray that our church here are a people who, as we pursue the regular practice of scripture reading, are renewed in our purpose and who are people of congruency by walking in repentance. And I saw this kind of in my life in an interesting way where years ago, and for a very long time, whenever I would experience a crisis or a difficulty or something would come up in my life, I would follow this process. One, I would talk to somebody that I trusted about it and who was of wise counsel. Two, I would maybe, maybe read scripture over my life if I didn't feel kind of an immediate resolution from talking with that person. And then I would maybe even less pray about it. So I would go to somebody, I would read scripture maybe, and I would maybe pray if it was like a good day. And as I continued that, I found that I would hardly ever get to steps two and three. And often I wouldn't feel a resolution or a true peace about the situation, or I would feel a temporary one, 
because I talked to that person, they like pumped me up, they made me feel sweet, they're like, yeah, we got you, like no worries. And then I would be like, yeah, he's right. And then all of a sudden it wouldn't last. And so I realized that maybe the way that I was doing this was not the best way. And although it's not bad to seek wisdom from other trusted, godly, wise people, I realized that I was making those people a higher value than the literal word of God found in scripture. And so as I was convicted about this, I decided to simply flip the script. And so instead, what I chose and and decided and tried my best to do was to first pray about it, to then read and speak scripture over my situation, and then talk to somebody as well about it. And as I did this, it actually totally transformed my life. Did my situation radically change? No, not necessarily and not often. Sometimes I felt like that's that one step of having to speak scripture over my life was like not just like a daily moment or like whatever. It was like a second by second. Like I would feel the throes of anxiety. I would feel the challenge. I would feel the gap. And I would have to over and over and over and over and over and over speak scripture over my life. And I would have to pray about it over and over and over. And I would continue to go to people for encouragement. And so my situation didn't radically change, but I found a greater depth of transformation. I found a deeper sense of peace, and I found a greater absorption of scripture in my life. And scripture in that moment became so cherished for me as this happened, and it became truly real to me, I believe, in that moment. Because as I spoke scripture over it, it wasn't that my situation changed, but my heart did. And it was a simple value shift And yet it totally transformed my life because I began to hear God speak to me through scripture and his word. And it became a true and actual source in my life. And it wasn't the steps that changed me, but it was the transformation of my values through scripture that did. And I realized as my value shifted, so did what I prioritized. Because in any renaissance of faith, the practice of regular scripture reading is central to hearing God's voice and to experiencing his transformation. And so let's look back again into the story of how the same change of priorities was seen in King Josiah. So we see, obviously, that King Josiah's values shifted, but so did his priorities. After discovering the word of God, he was given a congruent, a harmonious way to live and saw what needed to be done. And so he set to work. He set to work of bringing down the pillars of Baal and Asherah in the temple. He banned and deposed the corrupt priests from the temple he, took, he kicked out the mediums that were part of uh, another faith tradition and other practices that he saw around Judah that were against scripture. And a renaissance of the practice of scripture reading transforms our priorities because it reveals what needs to say pillars in our life and what we need to tear down as things that don't actually belong. And Josiah had kind of permitted these pillars or these priorities, but now they're beginning to create this friction in his life. And he could have responded by simply leaving them up and being like, all right, going to the temple, not going to look at that one, not going to look at that one. Okay, we're back in the temple. This is good. Or like tear down some of them because like that one was like taking up a lot of real estate in the temple. So we should probably tear that one down. But actually he was like relentless in taking all of these things down and not just taking them down and being like, oh, we can use that lumber for something. He like burned it to the ground. He took all of the ashes that he burned and he shoved it in like rivers and he put it over graves and he like had no place in his life at all. He didn't just take them down, but he completely and relentlessly got rid of them. 
and he began to prioritize something different, and that was the right worship of God through his word. And I think that this picture begs a question for all of us and was challenging for me this week, is what are the pillars of priority in our life that need to be taken down? What priorities in our life are beginning to be built up that are maybe not with what scripture wants us, for us? Because when we have priorities that conflict with what scripture says and when we begin to build up more and more in our lives, it kills our worship. It kills our ability to worship because there's something blocking us in front of us from experiencing Jesus and understanding his truth. And the reality is our lives are not compartmentalized. No matter how hard we try, we can't have a family box and like a life box and like a hobbies box and all that stuff. Everything, everything flows out of what we believe. And so what are you allowing into this realm? And more importantly, what is scripture saying about this realm? And I think it's interesting that this story doesn't really mention the voice of God until scripture was discovered and it was read. And I think this is intentional because scripture is a primary avenue in which we hear from God. And so this morning, are you struggling to hear God's voice? Have you felt like maybe it's been a while? Have you been pursuing and, and not quite hearing what you're wanting to hear or not hearing him at all? Can I suggest that we open our Bibles in those moments and allow his voice to speak clearly to us through scripture. I think it's so easy for us to be like, God, I want to hear from you. God, I want to hear from you. Like, I want to hear what you are saying to the situation. And God says, I've already said that in my word, in my scripture that I've revealed to you. And of course, there are times where God speaks to us directly through the Holy Spirit or through another person operating a spiritual gift. And I'm not here to like negate that or to devalue that in any way. But I think our culture prioritizes sometimes hearing God's voice through means other than scripture first. And that we may be being led astray as a result. Or if not that, we're quickly forgetting the very book that these words from others should be coming from and should be rooted in. And so we need to return to prioritizing hearing God's voice through his written word. Because we've already heard in Hebrews that it's not some like dead past book that like is this like manual to our lives. It's like kind of boring. No, it's the living and active word of God. It pierces us. It is alive. It's not something that is dead and boring and dusty and irrelevant, but it's something that pierces us. And I think it's just as timely and impactful for us as hearing the voice from another person because this is the voice of God speaking to us in his word. And so sometimes these priorities that we need to tear down are not always like these big, crazy, in-your-face things, and sometimes they are, but I think more often than not, it's the little things like maybe you need to watch less Netflix so that you can prioritize the regular reading of scripture. Maybe we need to like sacrifice a little bit of sleep so that we can wake up and early, before our day starts, before all the things keep going, to, to spend time in his word and to allow that to anchor our day. Our lives are chronically too full, mine included. And I think that sometimes it allows other things to come into our lives and we maybe forget that scripture. And not 
that we can't experience it on Sundays, but that our hope is that that experience of Scripture is for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday morning and afternoon and evening and Saturday, so that we can come together and declare that truth that has rooted in our heart over that week and celebrate that transformation that has happened in that week. And it means sometimes we need to tear some things out of our lives and have them to be, like, gone. Not just, like, tear it down a little bit, but, like, totally tear it down. And once King Josiah had cut those things down, had burned those, um, that, the idols of Baal and of Asherah, he didn't just stop there, but he actually instead added better practices in. He reinstated practices like the Passover that hadn't been practiced since judges. The judges that ruled, it went, like, judges pre- preceded kings in Israel. And so generations and generations hadn't celebrated a regular worship of the Passover and a regular celebration of that. And as much as it's important to tear down some pillars that don't need to be prioritized in our life, it is just as important to build better life-giving practices in its place. And I think cutting out some priorities could actually bring the rest and the peace and the focus that we're searching for back to our lives because it it would allow us to pursue the person who truly brings these elements. And so it's not enough to have our personal devotional reading of scripture but to be an add-on to what we do. But it must be the thing in which we anchor ourselves in because everything that we do flows out of our relationship with Christ. And it's not just a one day a week kind of relationship. He's calling us to an everyday renewal in him. And this isn't easy work. I'm not up here saying like, oh, this is super easy. Like, this is just a small thing that you have to do. It's actually quite difficult in our lives. It's painful to say no to some of those things that we've added to our lives. And I'll be honest, our regular devotional reading of scripture is both a blessing to our lives and also a discipline. It is a blessing and it is also a discipline. It's something that needs to be practiced. That's why we're so intentional with calling these regular practices of faith. It's because it's something that needs to be developed in our lives. But it will also mean that hearing God will become easier for us. It will clear out some things so that we can hear his still, small voice again. And it will, be ex- it will allow us to experience his presence in a greater and deeper way. Matthew Henry comments, those who put the truest honor upon their Bibles, that study them and converse with them daily, feed on that bread and walk by that light. There is great fulfillment in the regular devotional reading of scripture. And it's so worth it as scripture brings peace and guidance and instruction for how to live. And this work of tearing things down allows God's abundant life to be felt and experienced in a greater way and in a deeper measure. And Josiah didn't do this alone. He had people around him to help him in this. And it's the same for us that we need each other here to spur us on to that regular devotional reading of scripture in our lives. Because it can be challenging and life can add things to us that maybe take time away from that. And so we need each other. And I would hope that we here are people that would spur each other on to that. To encourage each other, to hold each other accountable to it. And King Josiah realized that the personal shift in his own renaissance of reading scripture couldn't be just contained with him. But he instead invited the entire nation of Israel into this renaissance as well. It says in 2 Kings 20, chapter 23, verses 2 to 3, 
And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. I love in verse 2 that it says all the people, both small and great. It doesn't matter how long we've been a part of faith for. There is always something new and greater to be learned. There's always still transformation that can happen in our lives. And so no matter if you feel like you're maybe far in your journey of faith or just starting, there is always a renewal of scripture that can happen in your life. And that's my favorite part about scriptures. We can read books that over and over and over again and know the storyline and know exactly all the elements. But with scripture, we can read the story and experience something new every day. And I think that's such a wonderful blessing of what scripture is. But the transformation must first start with us. If we want to have a community of people who are convinced that the daily reading of scripture is central to hearing God's voice and experiencing his transformation, then it needs to start first with us. We must be the leaders. But it should also inspire us to turn to others, both here in this assembly, but also here in this community, to experience their own renaissance of faith in scripture. Because the reality is people are desperate for truth here. People are desperate for truth here, and people are desperate for truth out there. And they need to experience their own moment of discovering scripture for the first time. And we must be the conduits of this discovery as we reveal Jesus to them and the hope that is found in Scripture. Uh, David Goodsey comments on the story of Josiah saying, Throughout the history of God's people, when the word of God is recovered and spread, spiritual revival follows. It can begin as simply as it did in the days of Josiah, with one man finding and reading and believing and spreading that book. And so what would it look like if we were a people who chose to have our own renaissance of regular, regularly reading scripture? I believe revival would happen here in this church and that it wouldn't just affect here in this square footage, but that it would affect our entire region of Powell River. I believe our community would experience their own discovery of scripture and that it would transform Powell River. Because revival starts with the people who are committed to the regular practice of reading scripture and hearing God's voice through his revealed word. Excuse me. And so we talked a lot about the why this morning, and I want to give just a couple quick hows this morning, because I think it can be so difficult to like rediscover this book and be like, where do I even start? And then you start in numbers, and you're like, this is a lot of genealogies and names, and like, this is challenging for me, and then all of a sudden it becomes forgotten again. And so I want to give you just a couple of hows. And to be clear, it's not about the perfect combination of scripture reading and of prayer and of worship, but a humble heart that's willing to pursue him and his word. It's about abiding in him or remaining in him, not about performing for him. And so that's the premise in which we need to understand the how. And so find the best way for you to connect with Jesus. Maybe that's waking up early and having a coffee because if you're waking up early, like coffee is synonymous. And spending time in scripture before your kids and your family wakes up. 
Maybe it's going out into nature and bringing your Bible with you and going out where there are no people and no sounds except for the silence and noises that the forest makes and reading your word in his creation. Or maybe it's going for a walk around the city and listening to an audio Bible, read scripture, and walking through your city. Find what works for you and then do it and pursue it relentlessly and continue to do it and be almost unapologetic in prioritizing it. And start small and work your way up. If you're just starting to discover what scripture says and the transformation it brings, start small and work your way up. We're not expecting you to be like super Christians right away where you can like read whole books of the Bible and like do all this stuff. Start with just one verse and then work your way up as you continue to feed on that word. I think accountability and discussion in community is incredibly important when we read scripture for ourselves because it allows us to have people of wisdom to be sounding boards in what we're understanding and feeling and what we're being transformed in. And so we have things like community groups and we have things like friends and mentors here in this church and elders who are able to bounce those things off of to discuss and maybe bring different perspectives or different understandings that can begin to bolster and encourage you as well. We have launched a prayer calendar this month that is found in our newsletter. And so if you're like really not sure of where to start with scripture or even of how to pray, if you want to pick up a newsletter, there are plenty out in the foyer for you to grab. And that will help you. It gives you one uh, chapter of the Bible to read. And if that's too much, then just read one verse or a couple verses. And it gives you a prayer point. And so we've believed that that's a great tool for you to add that regular practice of faith of reading scripture in your life. And so if you need that, please take one and pin it to your, I was going to say pin it to your fridge, but that might wreck your fridge. Like put it up on your fridge or pin it to your wall or to your board in your room or put it on the, the mirror of your bathroom, whatever is going to be in your sight line. And lastly, you can find a Bible reading plan. There is an app that's called Version Bible. And it's a great app because it gives you the word of God in multiple translations and multiple versions, but it also gives, it, gives you like regular Bible reading plans and devotions. And even better is it sends you a notification every day. And so it's great because you don't even really need to remember. It will help remind you. And so that's a great place for you to start that regular practice of, worship, of Bible reading in your life. And so I think scripture is inviting each one of us this morning into this renaissance together. And so we're going to take a moment to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting this morning. And so if I can have the worship team come up. And before we respond, I just want to, have, want to highlight one other response before we do that. Maybe this morning you are exploring faith. And you're just for the first time discovering scripture, just like King Josiah had in that moment. Where you're discovering scripture and you're understanding the truth that is found and the love that is found and the transformation that we can experience of our values, of our priorities, of our community. And you're seeing that 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 word points to a person named Jesus who died for your sins, who offers you forgiveness and eternity with him where we don't have to do this life alone. If that's you this morning and you're experiencing that discovery of scripture, can you be really brave this morning and just slip up a hand? It doesn't need to be high, but just slip up a hand to me so we can pray for you. Awesome. So I think uh, on the screen are going to be just a couple guides 
uh, of how we can respond. And so what we're going to do is the worship team is just for a couple moments going to just play some music. There's not going to be any words on the screen, and I'm doing that intentionally because I think it can be easy when we're encouraged to pray or encouraged to respond that our minds can kind of just go into autopilot and sing what's on the screen and not actually pray for ourselves. And so intentionally, what I'm doing is I want us to have a couple moments where there's music, it creates a comfortable and safe place, but where we are the ones responsible for our response.